This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Winglings Under the Willow Tree. Previously on Winglings, Will and his family made it to the Dandelion Kingdom, looking for help in their journey. But instead of finding help, Will's da was challenged to a duel by the Dandy's current leader, Bursley, who apparently had a thing for Will's ma. After Will stepped in and defeated Bursley in the sword fight, a giant human man stomped into the kingdom. And now for episode 12, The Pixie Knots. What's 
going on here? Boomed the giant's voice. He stared down at us with furious eyes, and his pointy, graying beard bounced as he spoke. Now, my guess is you've never encountered anyone roughly a million times your size. If you had, you'd know exactly what kind of terror I was experiencing. Any second now, I was expecting the huge snakeskin boot to shadow over me and squash me into a flat fairy flapjack with twitching wings. Sensing danger, my wings wrapped themselves over my shoulders like a dog tucking its tail between its legs. Never in all my short fairy life had I seen a human. For starters, it was strictly forbidden to let yourself be seen by humans. They can stomp us, accidentally swallow us, swat us out of the air like pests or catch us in cages. The risks are endless. Back in Emerald Creek, we'd always heard stories about them and their bigger world, but it wasn't until this very moment that I'd actually seen one with my own two eyes. Don't make me repeat myself, thundered the giant. My ears rang as he spoke. Remembering he was the appointed dandelion representative, Bursley stepped forward to respond. Welcome, Theodore! He said, speaking as though the giant's presence was nothing out of the ordinary. We weren't expecting you. The man let out a sigh and shook his head. <sighs> Obviously, he said. Had you known I was coming, you'd perhaps think twice before causing trouble with your closest allies. Hello, daffodils. He nodded at us and we cowered behind our new scorpion. Bursley chuckled and cocked one of his perfect eyebrows. Trouble? Oh, we've seen no trouble around here. Have we, winglings? He looked at us to confirm. We nodded nervously. Keep it that way. The last thing we need right now are petty scuffles among the clans, said the humongous man. Daffodils, Bursley, I need a word. He pointed with his tree-sized finger to Bursley's ranch, and we followed. After a few heavy steps that nearly shattered the dandy's glass-blown houses, the giant stopped at a secluded patch of trees behind Bursley's home. As he sat down on the ground, several trees snapped under the weight of his bottom. Ouch! he said. I see you still haven't gotten around to clearing a sitting spot for me, Bursley. Right, sorry about that, Bursley said, giving the man's giant shoe a few sympathetic pats. The giant looked at me and my family, our faces still hidden behind the scorpion Bursley had given us. I see these ones haven't yet met a pixie knot. Yes, yes, you would be there first, Bursley replied. Daffodils have always been known to be sheltered loners, Das scowled at him. The name's Theodore Knight, head of the Pixie Knots, said the huge man with a smile. I stepped out from behind the scorpion. I'm Willem. These are my parents, Walter and Alita, and my sister Emerald. We're the winglings. My parents walked out, Ma holding M. As if trying to annoy Da, Bursley walked up and tickled M's face. Oh, little Emerald here, who is a striking reflection of her mother's eternal beauty, is set to become the new Daffodil Queen, he said.
Is she now? Theodore said, stroking his beard. Well, this works out better than I thought. I'm sorry, I said, but what exactly is a pixie knot? Well, Theodore said, surprised. Bursley isn't one to put things very kindly, but he was right in saying you are sheltered. The pixie knots, good man, are humans who bridge the gap between mankind and the fairies, an ancient organization meant to bring balance to our coexistence. You help take care of our world, and we help take care of yours. Unfortunately, we've had quite the dry spell in lending our assistance. There's been a shortage in qualified pixie-nut candidates, but I have my eye on a few young newcomers that show remarkable potential. You'll finally get a team then, Bursley said. That's the plan. Whether it will prove successful is something else entirely. The dark moves in strong waves these days. What news bring you of the dark? I asked. At present... They are uniting their tribes under their dark leadership, from the Lunas, Dark Fairies, Hardles, to even the Swiffle Giffles. They're coming together to overthrow every fairy clan royalty they can find and rule with terror over the kingdom. I was just returning to report the progress of the Orchid conflict to the east. Their queen has been taken, and the Lunas are making their move to extinguish them. They'll need all the help they can get. We'll see what we can do, Bursley said. The dandies aren't ones to turn down a fight, and if the orchids are in trouble, we'll be there. He puffed out his armored chest. Now you, winglings, Theodore continued. Word on the wind is that your queen has passed. I offer you my condolences. Is this why you say your fairyling here is the newly minted royalty? That's right. I said. I glanced around to make sure no unwelcome ears were eavesdropping. She glows with a brilliant pixie luster only shown in royal fairies. We're taking her to the temples of light for her protection until the danger is passed in our kingdom. Has the Daff Council been notified of this? Theodore asked. Dan, I exchanged a look. They know we are taking her to safety. Dad said, trying to hide his discomfort. Theodore looked at him with a knowing squint. Ah, but they don't know where you're taking her. None of us replied. I see, Theodore mused. I've never been to the temple, so I can't say whether or not they will provide adequate protection for the queen. As I'm sure you've been made aware, they're nothing but relics now. Crumbs left behind of what once was. But if that is where the light guides you, I wish you the best. I will keep an eye out for any danger that finds its way in your path. To reach the temples, I'm told you must go through the pass just north of here. After a few more hills, you'll find a bridge of white trees leading over the river. On the other side is the pass through the Hagaroth Mountains. You should know, the canyon is notoriously dangerous, said to be guarded by jumping rocks. The living boulders will do anything to bludgeon you before you make it to the other side. Bursley, be sure to equip this fine family with your best armor. 
You have my word, Bursley nodded. Uh, excuse me, Mr. Knight, came a shaky voice. We turned to see a dandy fairy, shuffling into the clearing, humbly holding his fancy red cap at his waist. Gobley, how dare you interrupt a special council, Bursley snapped. Gobley cowered back. Be still, Bursley, scolded Theodore. Pixie knots deal with all fairy kind, not just their royalty. He turned and looked tenderly down at the trembling man below him. What can I do for you, Mr. Gobley? It's my wife, sir. She's awful sick. Been so for weeks. We've tried combining what little pixie we can conjure to save her, but it's not working. Without our queen's power, she's only gotten worse. I'm told pixie knots possess the ability to heal. We aren't healers, strictly speaking, Theodore replied. But we do carry ointments and knowledge that can sometimes prove useful. Take me to her. We followed Gobley to a small glass home, dangling from the weakest of branches at the edge of the kingdom, Theodore being careful not to stomp on any fairies as he walked. When we arrived, Gobley carried out his wife, wrapped in blankets. She was pale and thin, a shadow of the beautiful fairy she once was, now withered down to a skeletal woman no bigger than her own wings. She shivered like a new fairyling in her husband's arms. Please, Gobley pleaded with tears in his eyes. All I ask is that you try. That is all I can promise, Theodore replied. We watched as he took out a little vessel of oil from his bag and a pinch of herbs. Carefully, he poured a few drops of the oil onto the fresh leaves and rubbed them together. Then he held out his other hand and the woman was placed in his palm. Turning her over on her stomach, he began rubbing the oil mixture onto her wings. At first, it didn't seem to be working, but then she opened her eyes. A joyous sense of hope overwhelmed me. Here I was, standing before this stranger, forgetting about my own troubles and wanting nothing more than for her to be healed. And now she was showing her first signs of life. Then something remarkable happened. Something that took my breath away. She reached for me. Not her husband, not Bursley, not my parents, me. I looked around to see if indeed it was me she was reaching for. Holding M in her arms, Moss smiled at me and nodded to go to the woman. Slowly, I fluttered up next to the sick fairy and took her hand. Maybe I could give her some comfort and warmth as Theodore worked, I thought. I squeezed her hand in mine and wished her all the peace in the world. I remembered how miserably sick I was from the ink eel poison, and that was nothing in comparison. I found myself closing my eyes and imagining her being healed. I pictured her illness, a dark web spreading within her. I imagined it stopping and then retreating back. As I did, the air fuzzed around me and our hands grew warmer. The harder I pictured it, the more strength it took from me. For reasons beyond my understanding, I felt a love for this woman. Not the kind of love that makes you want to marry someone, but rather the kind that makes you care deeply for someone, like a close friend or sibling. 
This love welled up inside me as the image of her fading sickness filled my mind. For the briefest of moments, I could feel her pain, her suffering. It was my own and we fought it together. Finally, when the dark web of illness was gone, I opened my eyes and saw her hands glowing and her bright, color-filled face smiled up at me. My back was to the rest of the group who waited anxiously to see what was happening. Only Theodore stood as a witness to it all. I looked up and saw his surprised expression. He smiled as he slowly stopped rubbing the fairy's wings. Filled with life, the woman stood in his palm and embraced me. Thank you, she whispered. You're welcome, I replied. But it wasn't me she should thank. It was Theodore. It was his oils and rubbing that brought her back. Wasn't it? You did it! Gobley said, running up and twirling his wife. He kissed her and then looked up at Theodore. You have done a marvelous work here, Mr. Knight. A marvelous work. I am forever in debt to you. Theodore looked at me as if waiting for me to respond, and then said, You're quite welcome. Any way I can help. He looked at me again, puzzled. For the rest of the day and into the night, the healing was all anyone in the Dandelion Kingdom could talk about. They danced and celebrated with loud drums and pixie fireworks that burst into the shape of dandelions in the night sky. After reluctantly accepting the praise of the entire clan, Theodore avoided the celebration and retired to his camp set up in the clearing he'd created behind Bursley's ranch. While Ma and Da set up our invisible teepee and tucked Em in, I went for a walk. I strolled by the kingdom gardens, miniature farms harvesting tiny fairy foods like gumpweed, heavy root, and barracle bob leaf, which happened to be one of my favorites. I was tempted to squat down and pick some for myself, but I knew better than to interfere with someone's crop. Back home, Da would have literally grounded me, no flying for a month. I stooped down and scooped up a handful of the rich, dark soil, some of the finest I'd ever seen with a rich, earthy scent. I remembered all that my parents had taught me about the soil, how it took a thousand years for just an inch of it to form, generations of organic material or decomposed animals and plants mixed with broken bits of rock and minerals. It was Earth's way of using life to provide life. Bringing the fistful up to my nose, I smelled it and appreciated all the earth had given me. It had been a long while since I had taken the time to thank her for all she gave us. As her caretakers, it was important to give her thanks. Come to think of it, it had been a while since I had given thanks for anything at all. I looked up through the trees filled with glass homes that shone with pixie fire, up to the stars twinkling around a crescent mother moon. Mother Moon, I said up to her. Forgive me for taking so long to check in with you. As I'm sure you'd know, I've been quite distracted. I have forgotten to seek your guidance, and I really could have used it these last few days. I don't know if I'm doing this right. What if the Temples of Light don't give us refuge and are just a false hope? From what I hear, the Dark is only getting stronger, and there's apparently a Dark One at the head of it. If I'm wrong, they'll catch up sooner rather than later, and it will have all been for nothing. I would have dragged my family through one peril after another, only to end up in their hands. 
Oh, I can't have it. Please, Moon. I couldn't live with myself. It's hard enough dealing with the betrayal of Tim and Magborn. Just the thought of them still burns the fire within me. I find myself quick to anger and even quicker to distrust because of it. I'm harder than I used to be, Moon. And yet, I feel a powerful change for good. Something that doesn't quite make sense to me yet, but is settling with every flake of pixie that passes through me, like a power burning in the background. Please, Mother Moon, let me kindle it for good. Let me serve my family with it first, and then those who need it most. Use it to guide us, protect us, and rid us of the evil in pursuit. The pixie knot speaks of the dangers of the pass. What wisdom have you that will help us journey through it? I waited silently for her to respond. Clouds passed over her. When she reappeared, I expected to see her shadows in the form of a pleasant face, smiling down at me, but saw no such thing. Only craters dotted her surface. Mother Moon? Are you there? Again, silence. For several minutes I waited. Crickets chirped. Dandies laughed at a banquet in a distant tree. Wind rustled branches, but with it came no voice. Fear loomed over me as for the first time in as long as I can remember, she wasn't there to guide me. For the first time, Mother Moon was gone. A groan in the trees startled me. I turned and saw Theodore's pleasant face in the moonlight. He leaned over the treetops to look down at me. His tired eyes looked as though I'd just woken him from a deep sleep. "'Who are you talking to, Mr. Wingling?' he whispered. Even his whisper nearly shook me. I looked up at the faceless moon and then back at him. "'Nobody,' I said sadly. "'I was just talking to myself. Sort of a nightly ritual that settles my nerves.' Theodore smiled. Nothing wrong with that. There was a pause, and then he said, Have you told anyone? That I talk to myself before bed? No, I think there are enough fairies who already think I'm crazy. Not that, Theodore said. The power you possess. The look you gave me at the healing told me your abilities are surprising, even to you. I shook my head. I don't know what you're talking about. You did all the healing. I just held her hand. I better get some sleep. If the pass is as dangerous as you say it is, we'll need to start our journey bright and early. I turned and started back to the teepee. I didn't heal her, Willem. Theodore said, making me stop at the edge of the gardens. You did. His words sent a chill down my spine. I looked back at him and he smiled before tilting his hat over his eyes and laying back down into the trees.
Rocket with you. Hey, Rocketeers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Winglings Under the Willow Tree. Let me just give you a little teaser by saying there is a lot in store for the Pixie Knots in the future of the Purple Rocket Podcast. Just leave it at that, okay? I want to give a shout out to a few very special Rocketeers. Griffin, Rylan, and Mason Voikin from British Columbia, Canada. You guys are awesome. Now, there's a moment in this episode, I'm sure you caught it, where Will talks a little bit about soil. And I thought soil would be an appropriate earth science topic because for many of us, spring is upon us and it is a time where we plant things, we garden. We tried to garden at my house last year and failed miserably. I tore up half my yard to make room for it and we failed and not much grew, but I'm going to blame my wife. Sarah, I'm blaming you. Just kidding. It was totally my fault. I don't think I did a good job preparing the soil. But instead of growing a bunch of stuff, my daughter basically just used it to make her fairy gardens with a bunch of cool little leaves and twigs. I should take some pictures of these, you guys. Her fairy gardens are legit. If you have a good fairy garden, by the way, send me a picture. I want to see it. Send it to purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, so soil, what I did a horrible job preparing last year and hopefully will do better this year, is the loose upper layer of the earth's surface where plants grow. And it consists of a mix of organic material, which is decayed plants and animals, and broken bits of rocks and minerals. And like the episode said, just an inch of this soil can take up to a thousand years to form. Soil is super important for a number of reasons. Plants need soil to grow. And we kind of depend on plants because we grow our food. Plants use soil to anchor themselves in the ground with their roots and also to provide those roots with nutrients that help those plants grow. There are a lot of living organisms and fungi and bacteria that rely on soil as a place to live. It also helps cycle nutrients and helps filter and clean out water. Soil is an amazing and necessary part of us living here on Earth. And I look forward to preparing some good soil for a garden. So send me a picture of your garden this spring or your fairy garden. I want to see what you guys are up to. Don't forget, purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Let me know what you think of these stories. You can email me, like I said, at purplerocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can fill out the contact form on the website at purplerocketpodcast.com or leave a review on iTunes. I want to hear how it's going. I'd love to give you guys a shout out for listening. So thanks for tuning in. Spread the word. And I'll see you next Monday. This is your host, Greg Webb.